If you combine pajamas and rubber boots to check on the barn, we welcome you. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Oh, absolutely. And I hope my sister's listening because she was notorious for wearing her pajamas to the barn. I'm Stephanie Hoff, filling in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. Good morning. We're in the first week of May, but it might not feel like it. And we're about five days behind on spring tillage and eight days behind on corn planting if we look across the five-year average. That's the word from the latest Wisconsin Crop Progress Report from USDA. That might change this week as some warmer temperatures come through finally and we get a break from the rain, at least in southern Wisconsin. We'll get the forecast details in about 15 minutes from Ag Meteorologist Stu Mock. Also this morning, we'll be hitting heavy on what's happening in the marketplace today with words from the Fertilizer Institute and our live guest, market advisor John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing. Stay tuned. I seem to get a lot of questions about extensions, roles, and fare. And this is Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. I caught up with Jason Hausler. He's assistant dean from UW-Madison Extension. We talked about how UW Extension was reorganized because of budget cuts, what Extension looks like through education. And I found out that Extension really does support the fairs, but it's not through administration. It is through education. So in 2015, UW Extension, as it was at the time, like the University of Wisconsin system, absorbed uh, a larger, largest budget cut in our history, uh, $250 million to the system as a whole. And to our division, that was nearly $3.5 million. So um, we could not continue to do the same with less resources. Uh, less is less. So we had to really look through um, our structure and, and say, can we continue to do business as, as usual? Uh, well, no, we can't. And so that started our next gen reorganization in 2015. Um, many people, many of the listeners may have, have seen parts of that and it was implemented officially in 2017. And so in 2017, we went from single department heads in each county to an area director model. So we have one administrator for four counties, not one administrator for each county uh, to consolidate those administrative responsibilities to really allow our educators to educate. They were hired to do that. So trying to take that administrative stuff off of their plate. So then that was in 2017. So we we were dealing with that uh, large budget cut. Um, And then in 2018, um, UW System President Ray Cross um, made the decision that um, the two-year campuses, the two-year colleges would be combined with a, a thirteen year or a thir- one of our thirteen uh, UW system campuses. So in in West Central Wisconsin here, uh, UW Barron County um, became UW Barron County Eau Claire or UW Eau Claire Barron County. And so when that happened, Extension was part of UW Colleges and Extension, and then we administratively transitioned to UW Madison in 2019. So we've been dealing with a lot of reorganization things since 2015, uh, partly because of of funding, so that large budget cut that we saw in 2015. And then in 2019, with our administrative transition to Madison, which uh, brought some wonderful uh, resources back to the division that we haven't seen in a long, long time. And at the same time, uh, some procedural things that needed to change to fall in line with with uh, kind of our, our new administrative home. So uh, when you when you, when you bring, um, I, the best analogy I can, I can give is that when you have uh, two established families. You have the extension family and you have the UB Madison family. And in any partnership, you're going to have your, your ups and downs. It's like a, a, a blended family that comes to get together. And so you, 
you have different policies and procedures that you're trying to marry together. Um, and there's going to be some hiccups, hiccups along the way. And we've we've weathered the storm there. And, and I, I would say that we are in a better spot today, um, at least from my perspective, uh, than we've been in, in maybe quite some time, at least since 2015, um, and that we're trending in the in the right direction. Uh, when we when we look at uh, you know increased fiscal resources to our division, we're seeing um, not a huge transition trending up, but we're seeing some positives. We uh, ag funding um, is, is is growing for our division, and so we're seeing some small incremental positive changes uh, to start building back to uh, to where we were. Uh, I don't think um, at this time we're not, you know, going to be a, a one-to-one um, uh, perspective, meaning we, we can't uh, reciprocate uh, every ask that we get uh, for for staffing. Um, that's the, the nature of, of the beast right now. Um, but we're working through and finding creative solutions that counties feel supported and in, in getting the resources that they need um, to address the local needs that they have uh, with our resources within Extension. And you brought up staffing, and that's been something that I know comes across my plate a lot. And with the aging and retirement of some of the uh, 4-H educators and the uh, egg educators, how is that determined whether you replace one for one or if you're going to combine county resources? I could sit here and say that there's a there's a, a matrix that we go through and say, yeah, because of this, because of that, then it's a one to one or it's one to, you know, one staff person for every two counties. But we really take it case by case and look at it uh, organizationally of, of where do our dollars? We have limited resources. Where can we maximize those dollars and where are our count? Where are our county partners and what are their needs? So if, if they're looking for somebody that can do, you know, water quality work in the natural resources arena, but they're looking for a crops and soils educator that can really focus in on, um, you know, cover crops if, if, or, you know, what do those resources look or what do their needs look like and where do our resources complement that? And where can we find some, some extra funding to extra mural funding that comes in and says, okay, yeah, we can partner with uh, fill in the blank organization that they want to uh, work with extension too. So we're trying to be um, moldable and adaptable. So I, I can't sit here and say that it's a, there's a, a, a metrics that we, that we have that says, okay, because of this, then that, it's really a case-by-case basis because we have other partners that come in. You know, I'll give an example. In northern Wisconsin, we have the Aging and Disability Resource Centers that come in and say we want to help fund uh, part-time of a human development and relationships educator because of the work in the Strong Bodies program. Okay, so we're, we're going to work with that, but we're also going to use state resources and county resources to leverage and maximize our staffing plan for that respective county or counties. So, um, again, I, I go back to we, we saw a huge cut in, in 2015. We're, in, we're not back to that, that fiscal level, so we can't continue to do what we've done um, with less resources. Less is less, and that's the unfortunate piece, and I think that's where uh, I hear it, you hear it, other people hear it. It's like I, I wish we had extension back the way it was. I do too. I wish we had we were flush with with money that we once were, um, but uh, with with tight budgets, uh, tight uh, state and county budgets. Um, even though the the state may have resources, the state extension office that is, the counties may say we don't have the money either. So it's it's a it's a both and. It's not just the state saying we can or cannot fund a position. It's the counties too saying we have limited resources and we can't continue to fund that we the way we once did for extension. So. Um, it's really that partnership that we have with counties uh, and other community partners 
that we try and leverage the best that we can to serve the people of our communities um, in whatever discipline it, it may be, whether it's um, health and well-being in the mental health arenas or ag, 4-H, um, how do we maximize uh, our dollars and make them go the furthest? When you brought up partnerships, that brings my thought to your goals and roles in the community. And how has that kind of changed or how is that working together? One of the biggest things that, you know, you and I had talked about uh, is is the fair uh, arena and, and kind of the roles and responsibilities of, of extension staff with county fairs. And I, I get that question asked a lot of me, too. It's like, so what is extension doing with county fairs and how are it sounds like you guys are pulling away from county fairs and you're not intimately involved with them anymore. And uh, for face value, I, I, I hear or I could see why people would say that. But in the back end, um, you know, I, I think when we look at 4-H staffing across the state, we have one educator for two counties at times. Sometimes it's a one-to-one. Some some are very fortunate. Marathon County has one and a half staff members. They have a thousand member program. And so we're able to build some of that staffing back. But the roles and responsibilities, are, our core in extension is education. It has always been that. I mean, E.L. Luther is the first county-based educator uh, in Oneida County. Um, our foundation is in, in education. I think in some arenas, uh, and I'll use the, the fair one as an example, we have uh, at times overreached in areas with administration um, that is not our wheelhouse. And so we're trying to swing the pendulum back to what is our core? What is What do we do well? What is the, the roots of our organization is education? And we need to get back to that. And so working with uh, Jamie Butkey and the Association, Wisconsin Association of Fairs, uh, over the last nearly five years, um, to really look through um, the, the, the arena of the fairs and where our staff, uh, in relation to the governing bodies of fairs, fair boards, ag societies, whatever that be, uh, where do those roles and responsibilities fall when it comes to state statute and Department of Ag, Trade and Consumer Protection, Chapter 160, um, as, as the, the guiding foundation for, for county fairs. Um, working with Deb Jagir at DATCAP, who is the, the fair um, coordinator down there, to really start to pull apart and, and realign or recalibrate where our staff, where their roles and responsibilities fall with certain partnerships. That it's not, uh, uh, that it's, a, we seek win-win. Like if it's a win for the, for the fair or another partner, I'll use the, the fair as an example, but um, they get community-based education at their county fair with their fair partners uh, and we get to work within our, our arena, within the youth development arena with 4-H uh, and ag is to say, we're working with those participants at the fair as a prime exhibition opportunity for our young people. We were getting, uh, we had to peel, pull back and kind of peel uh, peel the onion, if you will. And, and, and Jamie Butkey and I talk about that all the time. It was like, we start peeling this onion back and there's so many different layers to it. Um, and the when you start peeling back, you, you uncover more things. I'm like, Okay, so that whose whose responsibility is that? When it comes down to at the end of the day, if extension is is you know there's not enough staff members, who's going to pick that responsibility up and finding the best balance of that? So is it a fair responsibility? Is it an extension responsibility, or is it a different partner's responsibility to cover certain things? Um, so we've really started to take some uh, a harder look at those those responsibilities, especially when it comes to fairs, and I think that's where people um, may see that or hear that most often. Um, and it's, again, people may see it as extension pulling away from fairs when, in fact, it's just a recalibration uh, with our fair partners to say, who, where does the buck stop with, with this particular item? 
But I, I am I'm here to tell you that extension is not going away from fairs. We are we need to be, we want to be. Our dean and director has has made no qualms about it that extension staff members should be involved with county fair partners, um, either pre-fair, during fair, post-fair, um, and in all program areas, not just ag and 4-H, but our community development uh, folks, our health and well-being folks, is to really look at um, in how, how are we involving all the education of extension with our county fair partners. And that was UW Extension Assistant Dean Jason Hausler, and I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In my job, I never held back. I played hurt and I pushed through the pain. Sound familiar? Football legend Emmett Smith had a reputation for just grinding through the injuries and pain over and over. That may be you. And QC Kinetic sees patients every day who are exhausted from dealing with the persistent pain. A lot of you work physically demanding jobs. You stand, you climb, you bend down, you reach up. And if you have joint pain, it takes all you got to earn a living. But it's time you know about QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics, the leaders in regenerative treatments, help relieve that debilitating joint pain without surgeries or downtime. These are natural solutions that use your body's own healing properties to give you lasting relief from the soreness and achiness. You got a job to do. I get it. But now you don't have to suffer through the pain. Check out my friends over at QC Kinetics. Call QC Kinetics, 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. Goodman's Jewelers has been providing a sparkle to Madison since 1933. That's a lot of great memories. John Hayes for Goodman's Jewelers. We've been caring for generations of customers, and during that time, our strengths have been trust, service, and selection. Those traits are who we are, and that will never change. Goodman's Jewelers, a destination worth reaching. 220 State Street, goodmansjewelers.com. The best is at Goodman's. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, back with you on a Tuesday morning. And Stu Muck, our egg meteorologist, joins us live. Stu, I, as I told you before we went live here, I'm looking forward to your forecast. I think you're going to be the bearer of good news. No pressure or anything. But I just have to know right away, please tell me that we don't have to deal with any of this wind anymore. That's what got me yesterday. Well, unfortunately, the wind stays with us today, Stephanie. It's not going to end just that quickly. Another windy day, some wind gusts up toward 30 miles per hour, so not out of the question. But along with that, the temperatures will be a little more mild. A better chance we start today to talk about, uh, oh, for a lot of us, especially in western Wisconsin, 
to be up in the mid-50s or better. So a little more mild temperature trying to wedge on in. Of course, still windy, still kind of chilly feeling. But we are going to talk about the end of precipitation. Low pressures off to our northeast in Ontario. The weather radar still indicating a little mix of rain and snow up toward the UP. And some rain still lingering around the far eastern edge of Wisconsin. None of that to be a big concern for us. I'm anticipating that uh, precipitation will be ending. Far eastern Wisconsin may still have a chance of a little sprinkly rain here a bit later today. I'll mention a slight, very slight sprinkle chance at Madison in the mid-afternoon, and that would be up into Beaver Dam as well. But that's about the extent. Just a slight rain chance, and otherwise we start to dry it out. The skies begin to clear out. There'll be sunshine in the west today, clouds in the east, more clearing out, more sunshine spreading across the state Wednesday and into Thursday, along with sunny skies and winds then that finally turn to the south on Thursday. That really starts to warm those temperatures up. Above normal, everybody will be above normal by Thursday, along with sunshine, not very windy. The best day of the week, that's Thursday. Because by Friday, low pressure tries to edge in. A system heading off toward what I'd expect to be northern Wisconsin, but nonetheless close enough that we'll see some rain chances. Very small possibilities of very light rain. It's not going to start raining and not stop, but now and again a few sprinkles or a brief shower possible, developing even toward late Thursday or on toward Friday or just starting into the weekend. I'll have forecast details right after this. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck, thanks to Wisconsin Farm Bureau, the state's largest general agriculture organization for over 100 years. Join now at WFBF.com and Equity Livestock Cooperative, marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community since 1922. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Well, Stu, I'm surprised to hear that we're going to be to those above normal temperature averages here towards the end of the week, and but surprised, but pleasantly surprised, I should say. All right. Well, unfortunately, we may have those sprinkles or, you know, little light rain toward the end of the week. We have to watch that, too. But today we start to improve somewhat, not too noticeably. Let's talk about mostly cloudy skies and some sprinkles from Madison to Beaver Dam. Maybe a little light rain, Fond du Lac or Oshkosh a bit later today. More sunshine in the west, La Crosse and Mauston, maybe a little more sun. In the east, temps in the very upper 50s are only about 50, in the very upper 40s, that is, or near 50. At La Crosse and Mauston, maybe just pushing into the low 50s yet today, but those northwest winds 10 to 20 gusts near 30. Cloudy early and then clearing a bit later in the nighttime, down into the lower 30s, still with a strong north wind, 10 to 20, gusting to 30. And then Wednesday, partly sunny skies, more sun in the west, Upper 50s could be already 60 at Lacrosse. Northwest winds 5 to 10. Thursday, mostly sunny. All of us in the upper 60s. Lacrosse over 70. South winds at 5 to 10. That slight rain chance later Thursday night may mean some sprinkles or a bit of light rain Friday. But even then, I'd still expect we'll be in the upper 60s, almost 70 on Friday, Stephanie. So your warmth does show up for the end of the week. I'm certainly happy to hear it. Stu, I'll catch you again tomorrow. We'll talk more about the sprinkles and maybe how, <laughs> if they'll be detrimental at all to that to that sunshine. Uh, we'll talk same time tomorrow. All right, sounds good. We'll catch you then. Catch you then.
And we always want to know how much rain you got. If you're getting rain, if you're not, that's okay too. We want to know what you're going to be getting done in the field this week, especially if we do see those warmer, drier temps. It's easy to text us at 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-FARM. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. No producer wants to wake up to a sick animal, and I know firsthand. BioVet is your solution for healthier animals. A lot of care and a good dose of science goes into every formulation so you can minimize problems and keep your livestock out of the hospital pen. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Berkshire Automotive family for the yes. At Berkshire Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Join the Bergstrom Auto family. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop? That's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. 
Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Many are saying that Jack Sitchie is validated over what has occurred over uh, <laughs> the Mifflin Street block party. Uh, before, Zach, have you ever heard of a success story from Mifflin Street block party? There have been very few success stories. I think, obviously, you remember Mifflin. I'm sure RJ remembers Mifflin. Well, well yeah. my success know, is get, coming right? away without a ticket, and I guess... Uh, yeah, w- Without getting those little plastic handcuffs on, that that was that was usually the biggest win for everybody. No, I've never brought um, I've never brought a gun with me to any of those parties, uh, so that's another success for me, I guess. Not getting busted for a, um, a, a, allegedly a stolen a gun. Stolen, a stolen gun. I've never stolen yeah. a gun either, though. So I've never owned a well. I shouldn't say um, I yes, I've never brought a gun to any place that where alcohol is involved. So <laughs> it's, it's a it's a it's not great. It's like, what, what's the need of it? What's the need? Again, the... the well, so no, people are wondering, uh, I guess Marcus I Allen was arrested uh, over the weekend at Mifflin. And apparently... Allegedly. N- news, allegedly. Allegedly. News 3 Now was reporting that allegedly there was a stolen handgun, allegedly, in his alleged backpack, allegedly. That is allegedly the story, yes. Um, <laughs> he's facing a potential... According to News 3 Now, which is the only outlet that is actually reporting this... Yeah, allegedly. Uh, ...that... Uh, on, on the charges, on the actual, on the potential charges that he could face, um, you know, it's, even if you have a permit, it's still illegal to carry uh, while intoxicated. Yeah, so it makes it null and void. It, yeah, so um, we'll see what happens. He was a guy that he, I thought would be in the transportal after, you know, the transportal closed. Well, he was in the transportal. He was originally went to Minnesota. They committed to Minnesota. They decided not to commit to Minnesota. Came back to Wisconsin. Jack said she obviously not happy about it. Uh, went out and said exactly what I think a lot of people were probably thinking in the moment um, and took a lot of crap for it. And uh, as you said, might have been proven correct. Ah, validation. Um, validation. For, for, yeah, for him. You know, what's funny is, uh, you know, Jack was obviously on the coaching staff last year as an, as an analyst. And every, after that happened, everyone's like, there's, there's no way he's going to be around anymore. He was around a ton this spring watching practice. Um, so 
Uh, Looks like he analyzed uh, correctly about what Marcus Allen. Just on this topic, you talk about how you thought Marcus Allen was going to be back in the transfer portal. They have a ton of receivers. He hasn't separated himself or clearly been like, I'm a guy that deserves to be on this roster. Now you go out and do something like this. I think it was safe to say he was close to the chopping block before this. I feel like you're probably off it now. And you have to remember like Luke Fickle's first year, like he's not messing around. At least I wouldn't think so. I would, I would think he's done. Unless he wants to go shooting. I mean, when you, when you say he hasn't separated himself, he actually has, he's separated himself in the fact that he should not be on this team. Um, Both, (laughs) both, both for his actions off the field and for his, actions down the field. He just, he wasn't good enough. He was like their third string slot for much of it. He missed the last three or four practices of spring and wasn't even there for the last practice. So I think it was always headed this way, but um, this should probably put the cap around it. You would think. And now we wait to see what else, you know, who else was taken into custody um, and whether that could potentially, you know, this could potentially be bigger than just Marcus Allen. Man, yeah. Again, never heard of a success story out of Mifflin besides like dodging, getting, you know, Stabbed? That happened one time. Someone got stabbed. I was going to say, that. every single Badger player that's ever named in Mifflin, it's not a good thing. No. Uh, no, Zach, absolutely not. Zach, um, now that spring ball uh, has concluded, the launch has, you know, I guess landed again. Zach, I have a question here from one of our listeners. He uh, wants me to ask, which quarterback looks most like Graham Mertz, uh, Graham Mertz excuse me, on this Badger's? Mertz. Mertz. <laughs> Graham Mertz on this Badger's staff. There is no Graham Mertz on this. On this oh, thank God! Quarterback nice. in, in this quarterback room. Uh, which one? Uh, so, what you're looking for there is a guy who is extremely inconsistent and will have one great day and then a, one horrible day and uh, throws guys high and throws behind guys and then has like these perfect passes uh, every other every other practice. I don't. There, there really wasn't that guy for those. Um, thank God. In spring. So, yeah. So not to say that. Not to say that none of those quarterbacks are going to throw interceptions or didn't throw interceptions. Everyone saw that during the launch, but for the, for the most part, we haven't seen anything like that. Zach, you are the absolute man, brother. Um, mm. The absolute mm. man. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, shown at the New York Rangers game as well as the New York Knicks game on the Jumbotron. Did you miss him at all? If you saw those photos, did you miss him? Has he bought into those franchises yet to try and say that he's a local when he's really not? We survived rusty playgrounds, no helmets, and drinking from the hose. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Hey, welcome back. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you on a Tuesday morning. I don't know about you, but as soon as the weather comes around, my husband Conway and I are going to go full steam ahead on the landscaping and the gardening. I just can't wait to get those projects done. And according to the Old Farmer's Almanac, others are itching to do the same. Here's what Americans are projected to plant this year. Nearly three-quarters of gardeners are planting flowers. Two-thirds, or 66%, are planting vegetables. And then 44% of U.S. gardeners are focused on house plants. I don't consider my house plants as part of gardening, but that's what the survey says. And then 26% of gardeners list fruit trees as their number one. 19% say berries are their bread and butter. I would fall into the fruit tree and berry category, and I'm proud to say the apple trees I planted last year all made it through the winter. Hopefully this spring doesn't throw any curveballs. Whether you're in the garden or in the field, fertilizer prices affect us all. 
Kathy Mathers is the vice president of public affairs with the Fertilizer Institute. She says there's no straight answer on where fertilizer prices are expected to move this year due to ongoing global events from war to transportation hiccups. As we look back at prices, I mean, we certainly saw prior to October of last year that that prices really had spiked, and none of your listeners will be surprised to hear me say that. Um, Depending on the nutrient, uh, prices started to come down, and up until about, you know, two or so weeks ago, we're kind of at a a low level for the year. But now we've seen a little bit of a spike, probably somewhat due to the fact that we have growers going out in the field and figuring out exactly what they need, and, um, and the supply chain is is always stressed, but it's really stressed now. So where are fertilizer prices going? The answer to that is it depends. It depends on what's happening in the world. So to your point, yes, the Russia and Ukraine situation, China had um, banned exports of its fertilizer. So we have some big, huge players in the in the world business being very uncertain and very just not knowing kind of what or how much we're going to be able to get from them. And so, so it depends on that, depends on kind of what's happening geopolitically. Also depends on demand. So last year we had corn prices were over the roof. And so as a result of those corn prices, growers wanted to grow corn. Nitrogen became a big deal. And so the push for that nitrogen then created that increased demand and as well as, you know, just a need for things on the right in time, you know, just in time delivery. Additionally, with natural gas in Europe going to crazy prices, we lost like about 70% of all nitrogen, uh, nitrogen production in Europe was shut down. So farmers in Europe needed to get nitrogen from somewhere. I don't mean to give you to dance around it, but it does really depend on what the issues, you know, issues of the day are. And it's geopolitical, it's economic, it's supply chain. And I know we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I would say that the, you know, the words of advice I'd have for your growers or for your listeners would be to work with their retailer. Their fertilizer and ag chem retailer will be talking to manufacturers, talking to importers, basically just sort of feeling out the market. And they're going to have a better sense of what specific growers in certain areas should be doing. And they'll, you know, if you are able to communicate what you, as a grower, what you need to them, then that gives them the intelligence to then go out and make sure that that's available. And Kathy, let's talk about the availability and the, and the supply of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash, and P&K. Is there enough out there? Absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things that we really are stressing here today is that there is enough fertilizer produced. It's uh, the biggest question is how to get it to where where it needs to be for that just-in-time delivery. And the supply chain is just further gunked up by all sorts of, as we just talked about, all these geopolitical things, logistics. We have a really old system of locks and dams that are, you know, basically, I think, originally built in like the 1920s technology that we're we're basically we've kind of put duct tape on and said you know let's make sure this works so we've got a lot of a lot of issues on the good side we have uh we don't have the rail strike threat that we had in the past and that was you know if you look at every every ton of fertilizer might need two or three modes of transportation in order to get to the ultimate consumer. And so all those things are really important. That's Kathy Mathers with the Fertilizer Institute. And you can listen to the full interview with Kathy at MidwestFarmReport.com. Just look at our podcast page. Stick around. We'll look at our morning commodity markets next.
My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. Depending on system size, typically 10 years is your payback. Then when you think about these these systems that we're selling have 25-year warranties for everything, the panels, the inverters, the racking, and 25-year workmanship warranty from us, it's generally about 15, 16, 17 years of making money on your investment. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. You're not going to want an illness to slow you down in the field, especially as the planting window gets tighter with this cool spring. The month of May actually kicks off the primary care season for Family Health La Clinica. They have a mobile health unit that travels to farms to offer basic health care to farm workers. Communications specialist Felicia Rodriguez gives me some more details on how farmers can reach out for their services. We provide services like medical, dental, behavioral health, um, massage therapy services to all uh, within the communities that we serve. Um, so we're open to the entire population. Specifically, um, we do also provide um, mobile health services. So we were founded as a migrant center in 1960, and then we were incorporated in 1970 as a clinic for all. So uh, providing mobile health services to all the migrant seasonal agricultural workers uh, within the entire state of Wisconsin. Tell me how you go about doing that. Um, So since we are the only migrant center in Wisconsin, uh, one of the things with our mobile unit is we do travel to the employer sites uh, to provide primary care health services. So we do everything from primary care services to medical lab services. We also provide vaccines, so which is uh, flu shots, COVID, any type of vaccine that they're needing, specific procedures if they're able to. So that's what we provide. What are the requirements to use your services? If you pull up to a farm, for example, what kind of documentation needs to be provided? What kind of questions are you asking? I think for the requirements, um, it's not as um, as extensive. Um, I mean, if, if there's a farm that wants to use our services, they can contact um, our clinic, and then we can see if we're able to support them in the needs that they are, are wanting. No, I don't think there is a requirement on either your migrant status there isn't anything like that. Where does the mobile health unit find itself going the most? Particular industry, particular region? Um, So we work with the dairy farms. um, We work with the canneries. We work with the tree farms. So any type of employer who have migrant seasonal agricultural workers will will go out and will support them in whatever they they need. Do you find any um, certain health needs maybe that aren't getting addressed as as they should be? Yeah, so primary care season really starts between the months of May and November. So during that time frame is when our mobile health services are out and about and providing the services the most. However, we are hoping to kind of expand that a little bit throughout the entire year with limited services. Um, But right now, the months of May through November are are, our primary care seasons. Whose attention are you trying to grab? Who are you trying to talk to? You know, we're really just trying to promote our services, specifically mobile health services. However, you know, also provide uh, promoting our our services through the entire organization, I guess you can say. So really, we're just trying to talk to as many employers as we can and anybody who is willing to kind of listen to what we offer and, and go from there. 
Is it pretty simple to get a hold of you guys? Walk me through what the agribusiness owner needs to be thinking about before they give you guys a call. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. Like I said, you can definitely um, call us at 920-787-9434 or call us at our 800 number, 800-942-5330. You can also visit our website, www.famhealth.org as well. So, Is this like a, a state-funded program? Is it private? We are a federally qualified health center, so we are federally funded. However, we, we do get some grant money, essentially, to kind of help with some of the stuff, but we are federally funded. And then how are you doing on staffing? Right now, like every other organization, staffing is, um, it, is, it is critical and it is an issue, but right now I think we're okay. We are gearing up for the primary care season, and so we are hiring as much staff as possible to help with, with the, the initiative. That's Felicia Rodriguez with Family Health La Clinica. She says if there is a need, reach out. Regardless of the size or style of your farming operation, they've got the services to keep your employees healthy, especially during such a busy time of year. Let's see how our growers are doing in the field today. The latest crop progress and condition report from USDA says spring tillage is about 21% finished. That's about five days behind the five-year average. Corn planting, 2% complete eight days behind the average, and soybean planting underway at 3% done. That's about two days behind the average. Potato planting is pretty much on time, and about 30% of the way through, we have an update on how the potato planting is going from Awesome Farms and Produce at MidwestFarmReport.com. Just take a look at the podcast page. And then if we look at winter wheat, condition was rated 74% good to excellent statewide. That's unchanged from last week. Taking a look at our markets this morning from Chicago, cash corn is up two and three quarter cents. December new crop corn is up two cents at five twenty seven and a quarter. Cash soybeans are up ten cents. November new crop soybeans are up six and a quarter at twelve eighty one and a quarter. And July new crop wheat is up a penny and three quarters at six twenty. Taking a look at fluid milk, the June class three milk contract is down seven cents at sixteen ninety eight a hundred weight. July milk down nine cents at seventeen sixty one. On the close yesterday, barrel cheese was down two and a half at a dollar fifty six and a half. The forty pound block cheese was down a half a penny at a dollar sixty eight and a quarter. And double A butter was unchanged from the week before at two thirty five and a quarter. I wouldn't go anywhere. Market advisor John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing in West Bend joins us next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals. Then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. 
Sprucing up your office space can be pretty darn simple with Office Furniture Warehouse of Madison. We design it, we install it, and we even give you a 5% referral discount. Better yet, we take care of the old stuff for you. You deserve a new look. Impressive office furniture with warehouse pricing makes Office Furniture Warehouse America's go-to office furniture store. Visit OFWGoMadison.com or stop by the showroom on Ronald Reagan Avenue on the north side. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Bringing home the bacon, literally. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Bringing home the bacon, that's something John Heinberg can help us with. Welcome back on a Tuesday morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff, wrapping up things today. Always excited to glean some info from market advisor John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing in West Bend. You can find them online at totalfarmmarketing.com. Now, John, I talked a little bit today about Wisconsin's crop progress and condition report from USDA before you came on, but you have some perspective on where we stand against other regions of the United States. So what stood out to you from those latest reports? Yeah, let's get right into those numbers a little bit more in depth. And, you know, here nationally, 26% of the corn crop got in the ground. That's right on the five-year average, you know, a little bit below what the market expected. Some of the reason maybe we're up a couple pennies here on the overnight uh, on that corn market. Yeah, as you mentioned, Wisconsin's uh, just starting to get rolling, 3% in, down 2% from the five-year average. The thing is we're watching for some trends, and that's some of the reason, again, I think we got a little strength in that corn market is just the fact that, you know, we're seeing the south, we're seeing the and the east they're moving along very nicely in that regard at least on the corn planting side the north and the west continues to struggle now obviously we're still got a little ways to go here before we start talking about prevent plant and things of that nature but we're really keeping a focus on north dakota south dakota minnesota as well as wisconsin in terms of that planting pace you know some of these crop insurance dates or those prevent plant dates are coming up here around the 25th of may that's not that far away if things the weather doesn't straighten out but at least sounds like maybe we're going to get some changes there. The other thing that we're really seeing, and from talking to producers, because of the cold temperatures, we're seeing more beans going to the ground here, thinking that that can handle the cold temperatures a little bit faster in some of these regions. And then we'll get to the corn planting when things warm up a little, and the forecast kind of you know lays out for that here. But you're seeing a good jump in the soybean crop. 19% of that crop's in the ground. That's 8% above the five-year average. You know, the state of Illinois has got 40% of their soybeans planted, versus, uh, which is 24% of over the four, five year average. So that's at least some of the early trends that we're seeing right now is that the soybeans are getting put into the ground. Farmers are waiting for the soil to warm up across the, the corn belt. And then we're going to start getting some of that corn put together. Well, and John, even as we saw in the prospective plantings report for Wisconsin, growers here plan to put more soybeans in the ground this year anyway. And that sounds like that's also chugging along close to the average timeline. But with more beans going in, does that mean, I mean, what are we going to see then as a price response? 
Well, we'll have to see how things kind of shake out. Again, the northern tier will be a key area. There's, there's a delayed time window for them to go ahead and move from corn to soybeans if planting pace doesn't seem to pick up. You know, right now we're looking at that corn acre number being around 92 million acres of corn, you know, a little bit more than the market maybe was anticipating. Now, we've really seen some struggles in the corn market rate lately, and it's more because of just some other factors that are coming into play. You know, first off, we had a wheat market that dipped below the $6 handle for a little while yesterday. We haven't seen that happen in two years. You got managed money pushing these their position in that wheat market. They're sitting heavily short, and they're continuing to defend that position. With that, the strong selling pressure came into the corn market here over the last couple of weeks, again, moving them from a long position to a short position on money flow. The anticipation right now is supplies are going to continue to grow. We broke through some very big support levels on the technical side here last week you know so i'm a little bit more on the defensive here at least just the way the market's acting it feels like we're going to really need something to change in terms of the the forecast or the planning pace to get this core market to want to go again you know and right now i think any rallies that are coming in here we need to probably met with some type of sales or defense because again the market's anticipation is the corn crop's going to be good they're looking at long-range weather forecasts el nino typically is favorable for weather and, and growth in terms of corn crops as well as soybean crops and that's just what the market's starting to anticipate right now and that's why we saw that big tumble in price here over the last week and a half to two weeks the only good news i can say to that is that this morning we saw a little lift in the corn soybean and wheat markets but it sounds like you don't expect that to uh, make any significant differences you know, right now, producers are going to be busy. Obviously, you got your your focuses on getting the crop in the ground. I would be at least, a, you know, until we get the crop in, you know, a little bit more on the defensive side, unless something does develop here. You know, if we can get that old crop corn and the July gets a rally back up to that $6 handle, you know, if you got a good basis, you probably need to take advantage of it. You know, the other big outlying factor that's really weighing on corn prices right now is this potential South American crop coming in from Brazil. Right now, corn prices in terms of the cash market and the export market for the June-July delivery period as some of that corn starts to get harvested is well below U.S. prices. We're struggling with demand as it is anyway, and unfortunately that's just got this market in a fairly negative mindset that we could just see supplies continue to grow even on the old crop side. Now, with that being said, the cash market's still good. We don't have any deliveries going against that old crop corn, and that's some of the reason we're seeing May so strong and that strength a little bit in that July. But again, as a producer, I'd look at those windows if something comes up to hit price target, get those bushels moved here because the supply picture, at least this time, looks like it's getting bigger. John, I never have enough time with you on the air. Quick rattle off those numbers if people want to call you. Sure, love chat with anybody in time. Give me a call, 800-334-9779, or shoot me an email at johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. Love to talk with you about anything you've got questions on. We'll catch you next week.